We are back with another episode of Unlicensed Therapy with me, your host, Ari Manis. If you're new to the show, you're going to like it. You're going to like the show. So just subscribe right now down below. Click subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, hit the bell icon, do all those things. We also sell merchandise at arimanis.com, A-R-I-M-A-N-N-I-S.com, children's book, t-shirt, you name it. Tell your friends about this show. Share it. Today's guest is Earl Skakel. If you're not familiar with Earl, he is a staple here at the Hollywood comedy scene, at the comedy store. He's done the roast battle on Comedy Central. He is the voice of the dad on the show The Jellies. But hey, maybe that doesn't sell him, so I'm going to play a clip for him right now. Jeff, but I guess I'm not an NBA player. <laughs> well, you are dressed for Pirates of Penzance. You couldn't wow. afford this jacket. Right. <laughs> Looks like the lining to a nicer jacket. <laughs> Interesting coming from someone who looks like Mr. Clean with a thyroid condition. I owe all my credits to Jeff. I got no beef with Jeff. I got no beef with anyone. Except <laughs> <laughs> used to be that jacket. <laughs> There's a man in here who has conquered the acting world. Not you. Okay, shut up. Let Mandy Patinkin finish. Now listen to my replacement. sloppy seconds, but much like your comedy, your dick couldn't follow me. <laughs> the autistic kid with the line. <laughs> Next week, I want to battle you, Mr. Piven. <laughs> now, I know Adam Hunter isn't here tonight, or else I would challenge you tonight. Damn! Next week, you can take a night off at the Laugh Factory where you're incredible. <laughs> you don't have to kiss Jay Davis's ass anymore. That was Earl Skakel 
nice guy, funny guy. Enjoy the episode. broke up my marriage. You're an awful person. You're 24 years old. Why would I listen to you? Why would you be giving therapy and advice to people who clearly need it? It doesn't make any sense, Ari. This is a horrible idea. You're listening to You're listening to Unlicensed. 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 Unlicensed therapy with Ari Mendes. Ari Mendes. Take two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I think we started off it. You saying I don't believe in COVID. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to book your own guests, but right. I knew, oh, Earl, he's he's a non-believer. No, I'm just careful and like, uh, you know, I have the insides of a 20-year-old. So. Earl, he is a red, ultra-right-wing Trumper who well, knows w- COVID is not real. I wouldn't say that. I voted for <laughs> Trump. You did? Absolutely. I was just joking around. Okay, here we go. Here we go. This is the juice I wanted. Why did you vote for Donald Trump? I think he's a horrible person. Mm-hmm. You know, he lost me at the grab him by the pussy. Line. You did? I got that's ne- locker room talk. I listen. I've played sports. I'm 52. I've played organized sports for probably 35 years. I've never once been in a locker room where a guy said grab him by the pussy. Okay, I'm gonna call you out live on the podcast right now. I have said worse shit to you, and you have said way worse shit to me than grab her by the pussy. Name one thing I've said. That's, I, I, I'm not going to do it. I don't have a quote of you. But you can't say that, though. Like, you're, But you're, we have said way more fucked up shit in the back of the OR. I don't think I've ever stage. said anything like that. I've said, hey, look at those tits. Now, let or, me, And let me clarify. When you have said this, it is in jest. We are comedians at the comedy store making trying to get laughs and rises out of each other i don't believe you have said anything about women or have done anything to women that violates their personal space or their boundaries or what they want i don't think you've offended anyone ever and i will say that about you and about me but if you get mad at a dude who off air is like i'd like to grab her by the pussy come on dude that's a dude being a dude that is just a an off-color joke but uh, to I, his companion. But I've never, and the side comment, he said, wait, you can grab by the pussy and do anything you want with him. I've never said that about a woman. I've never, ever even come You said besides comedy. No, I, no said. I said the oh. side comment. You know, Oh, the, side comment. The grab him by the pussy line gets the big uh, attention, but he also was like, yeah, you can throw him around, you can do whatever you want. I've never thought of women like that. I mean, I guess you're right. I don't have a quote of you saying anything. I've I've admired women. I might have said to Ari when, uh, you know, so-and-so walks by, hey, her ass is looking good tonight. But like, Isn't that the same thing? It's not. When you say grab him by the pussy. I that, think if if there was a clip of Trump going, man, look at that sweet ass. I'd like to finger her ass. I think that would be, I, that would get way worse shit than grab her by the pussy. The or whole, equal. The whole point. I think he's a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. But I don't vote for president based on 
if they're a good person or not. They're all scum. Biden hung out with Robert Byrd, who was like in Who's the Robert K- Byrd? He was like in the KKK. Like okay. he supported him. So he, yeah. he's a pig. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm serious. I, don't, I know, no, I know. You, if we vote, I believe you. If they're a good a person, we're never going to vote. Right. I like Trump's economic policies, and, and my money's in the stock market, so that's why I voted for him. Because I think Biden and Harris. Not that this is a political. Right. Trump is better if you have a little bit of money, I, which, right. from my understanding, I don't. I haven't seen your bank account, but you have a little bit of money. Well, what's you're doing okay? What's having a little bit of money is different. Russell Peters, if he says I have a little bit of money, that's millions. Rogan, hundred millions Spotify deal, and he had a lot of money before that deal. That's rich to me. I can walk into Erwan, which is the most expensive. Uh, Are you open to talking about your money? If I guessed uh, your how much money you have, well, it's I'm all just paper guessing. money. It's paper money. If I guessed your paper money, yeah, would yeah. you say like oh, more yeah. or less? Okay, and I have nothing to base this off of. I don't know. I literally know nothing about your finances. I know you have a decent car, and I know you have a nice condo in West Hollywood, but a modest condo. You don't have like you don't live in a crazy house. You live in a nice uh, old building, two bedroom condo with a with a pool. Two, it's two bedroom, three bath, eighteen hundred. It's nice. Square it's feet. beautiful, it but it's not way. like you wouldn't walk into your condo. I know in West Hollywood, it's still very expensive, but if your condo was in Phoenix, you would not be considered. A rich by any means. I my condo in Phoenix would be, would be like, very nice. It'd be like, but it in Phoenix your in condo, Austin since everyone's moving to Austin. Okay, in Austin your condo might be like half a million dollars. I put it this way: in if I, Austin, if I sold my condo in LA prices, I could probably get either a million. Or a shade under a million. Right. Let's say nine hundred thousand. Agreed. Agreed. Nine hundred grand in Austin could get me a mansion. Agreed. So, so, so that's why I'm gonna guess your net worth is around two million. Well, it, well are you counting just me or the family businesses? If we liquidate them, if you were to die right now and you had a, a a next of kin, which you don't, but if you had a son, how much money? How much money and assets would your son get? I'm guessing about two million. And it's just a guess. I could be dead wrong. Well, here's the thing. Uh, like when my parents passed, my parents passed away two months apart. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I mean, I have to. I'd like to get into that too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, 1998. So there was uh, long a, the year the Padres went to the World was, Series against the against the got, New York Yankees. Do you remember that? Yankees. I mean, I don't remember uh, that particular sport. I'm a hockey guy, so right. like. So uh, you do. So if I said who went to the World Series before I just told you 1998, you wouldn't remember because of your parents. Uh, no, I just don't follow baseball enough. Right. I could tell you the Cincinnati Reds were in the World Series in '91 because my dad was friends with the owner. So uh, you know, a little name drop there. Well, but it's true. No, no, I'm just kidding. March shot, and <laughs> then, uh, well, he was best friends with the Steelers owner. Which people ask me, why are you a Steelers fan? Because you grew up in L.A. My dad was friends with Art Rooney, not Junior, but the old. If you ever see Steeler highlights from the '70s. When the guy, I feel dumb. Who's Art Rooney? He was the owner of the Steelers. Okay. He he invented the Pittsburgh Steelers. Gotcha. They were his team. He was friends with him, so I got like memorabilia as a kid. Yeah, and got to go to some games. Maybe I never did. I got Bummer. every year they won the Super Bowl. So uh, what was it uh, 76, 77, and then seventy nine and eighty? I got a game used Super Bowl ball. Oh wow! Do you still have that? Here's the crazy thing: autographed by the whole team. Yeah. Now I know this isn't a sports podcast, but sure, but 
anyone, even whether you like sports or not, you can appreciate it. This game is interesting. Use, uh, yeah, game use Super Bowl football. Signed by the whole team. Signed by the whole team. That's going to have value well, and be cool. Automatically, that would be, wow, that's a cool ball signed by the whole team. Yeah. What bumps to the level in terms of coolness is nine of the 22 starters of the Pittsburgh Steelers went to the Hall of Fame. Whoa. It, you know this, Milan? Milan's a big sports guy. I knew that the Steelers were really good back in the day, but I couldn't tell you nine. I mean, that's a random number. Yeah. So essentially, half of the starters went into the Hall of Fame. Right. So you know, Terry, this ball is signed by nine Hall of Fame football players. All four balls. All it was, Super Bowl. It was the same, basically the same starters for those four years. Mm-hmm. So you have Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, Lynn Swan, John Stallworth, Mean Joe Green, a couple other, Jack Lambert, Jack Ham, uh, Andy Russell, Mel Blunt, Donnie Schell. Uh, this is off the top of my head. Right. I was such a loser that, and even though I You come, sold it for crack. No, I come oh, from okay. a family of five. So, but we weren't, we were raised like wolves. We weren't, a, we love each other to this day, but we're not close. Like when you say you love each other, your your siblings? Yes. Okay. Who are all still alive. Uh-huh. But we didn't like play a lot together. So I would stand about right there in my backyard and throw these footballs against the wall like this. <laughs> I was like It was your favorite ball throw around. I would play catch with myself. <laughs> Why would your parents let you? Well, it, it n- nowadays sports memorabilia you know, memorabilia, you know, Joe Rogan signed this microphone. It would be automatically worth $1,000 to some fan. I didn't think about that. If he signed a Sure SM7B, it probably would be a cool thing to get Joe Rogan to sign. Like I, could, I, And we could probably make that happen. It'd be weird. If I went up to Joe Rogan because he knows me a little bit, right. knows my name, and asked him to sign a microphone, I would, I would feel like a dumbass, even though that would be cool. But if you put that microphone, say you made a little display right here, and uh-huh. you, you reached out to your fans and say, hey, I'm having a live auction for, right. co- yeah, it for would, COVID relief yeah, or it, whatever. It would do well. It would do well. You're right. Some super fan would be like, I'll give you $1,000. You might Absolutely. even get more. Yeah. I just had my neighbor, the great Steve Stevens, who is Billy Idol's guitar player. Oh, that's cool. He's in your building? No, no, he's like uh, a few few streets uh, down. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's a West Hollywood uh, inhabitant. Right. He signed a ray gun. He during his guitar solo for Rebel Yell, right in the middle, he takes out a ray gun and he turns it on. and He rubs it against the strings and it makes this really cool effect. He's a ray gun for music. What's a ray gun? It's like a almost a toy gun, uh-huh. but he found this particular brand of toy gun that if you rub it against the strings while it's cool on, sound. it vibrates. Yeah. He signed one of his ray guns for me. Now that ray gun is literally a twenty dollar toy. Right. But if I said right now on this podcast, I should have brought the ray gun because <laughs> it's kind of neat. And said, hey, uh, any Billy Idol fans want this? Steve Stevens touched this. He signed it to me, which ruins the value if you sign right. it to like, uh, I guarantee you someone would pay a couple thousand dollars for it. Right. So uh, those footballs, if I didn't do anything to them. Yeah, and, you kept them in great condition. Mint, what they call in the collector's world, mint condition. Uh-huh. I would guess... Nine Hall of Fame autographs, which is unheard of to get that many on one item. Game used item. Game used Super Bowl. Yeah. Now, it's hard for me to prove that, but the owner said, hey, here's a ball from the game. Right. I didn't keep that note, which would have been an even 
Yeah. Another cool Validated item. I'll guess if they were in mint condition, nine Hall of Fame autographs, 50 to 100 grand. Each ball. What do you think, Milan? Accurate? Accurate for sure. Well, uh, well, I mean, but that is in the mintiest of condition. Sure. Like, there's yeah, you, no, yeah, yeah. They're not faded. So even, so you got to think, even if it was shitty, 25, 25 grand. grand. Each ball. But just no one in your family, and correct me if I'm wrong, your parents had a little money too, so they probably just didn't care about this football. They're just like, yeah, cool. Well, I think back in the 70s and, and early 80s, uh, until the rise of collecting baseball cards, like getting a mint, Dave right. Parker. Right, no one wrote, thought about it as much. Oh, we can sell these and make money. Like it was just, oh, here's a cool item someone autographed. So, like, I have an autographed baseball by Ken Griffey, not Ken Griffey Jr., but the dad, and mm-hmm. that's worth a lot of money. Anything to do with Ken Griffey Jr. is money. Right. But I can, it, now that is in mint condition. I've literally put it in one of those uh, plastic boxes. And you have a lot of jerseys. Yeah, but I'm getting rid of them all. So I can build it. Oh, I don't want them anymore. So I want to build a podcast room like this. But why don't you keep them up as the back, the wall, like the decor of the podcast? Well, I room. might. I, I'll yeah. keep like two or three to like, like that would be cool to have mm. jerseys like in the back of me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'd rather just sell them and uh, build a room like this. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, this, like you said yourself, half your listeners now are from video. Mm-hmm. And if there's one regret, and first of all, I want to say this man is the reason. I started inappropriate Earl. I'm not the reason you, you started, are. but I helped you. I'm not the reason you You would have done it without me, but I was well, I, fortunate I, enough to get to help you. I couldn't have done it without you because I literally, I think the first five episodes, I had to go over to his house on Fountain and say, how do I edit this? Like, how do I put the song here? And, and you showed me and you got me software. And, and even more surprisingly, you learned how to do it. Well, it's Earl is a very dumb, dumb man. Absolutely. Very dumb. Am, Te- technologically. Horrible. So looking back, I had the patience to show him, and he had the patience and actually put in the effort to learn because I'll, I can say this. And I've taught a lot of people. I've showed a lot of people things, and I would say well over half give it a shot and go, you know what? This is too much. And they either pay someone to do it or they don't do it and they give up. And you actually took the time. You got a routine going, not to say, obviously, you're not the, the best podcast producer in the world, but you are you made a decent product and you learned how to do it and did it week after week and probably have a good system now of how you edit and release your podcast. It's the same system. Uh, I, I have one song at the front mm-hmm. and back. It's the same song from those mm-hmm. first five episodes. Uh, I don't edit, you know, like I've had five guests say the N-word on my <laughs> podcast. One of them was white. And he's, Are you allowed to say who? I, I don't want to blow up his spot. You don't spot. have to. I'm just, uh, just checking. But a uh, very funny comic. Jeff Ross? No. I, okay. I've had Jeff Ross on the podcast. He didn't, he didn't say it, though? No, no. He was, okay. uh, you know, that was an interesting uh, podcast for, <laughs> for several reasons. But, uh, you know, he says to me after the podcast, the guy who said the N-word, the white guy, he's like, hey, you're going to edit that out, right? I'm like, No. <laughs> oh damn so you if you say it it's gonna be on it so now i'll tell you this and i've said this to other guests before this isn't the first time i'm saying this if you say the n-word today i'll edit it out for you you could be there's a safe space i'm not here to make you look bad no. you could say the n-word five times right now and i'll bleep it out every time for you well here's this it's probably would be the best joke i would ever tell because it's about the first time i heard that word uh one night I'm on stage at the comedy store and, and somehow the 
I, I forget what I was talking about, but it was like this. I think it was on the cartoon I'm on. I get to say the N word sometimes. I shouldn't say I get to. I'm like, it's in the script. <laughs> um, Just to be clear, Earl is on a cartoon. Is that a cartoon still going? Uh, you know, it's in the air. The ratings were very strong, uh, but uh, Tyler, the creator, is... Tyler, the creator's cartoon. It's called Mike The Jellies. Continue. The Jellies. Well, he's so... Uh, he has so much going on that he doesn't yeah. really need it. Oh, he absolutely mine. doesn't need it. Right. Like, he's so uh, famous or whatever the right word is. Successful. Uh, successful, famous. Uh, black. Busy. He is black. Uh, his checks don't bounce. Uh that the cartoon to him is literally probably seventh or eighth on his priority list. For me, it's one. Right. Because the Were you on every episode? I, I was the dad. I was the, uh, I'm so the cool. only white guy on the show. And Would you say that's like your biggest uh, break in entertain show business to date, that show? I mean, I would say Roast Battle, uh, even though I, I think my feelings on that show are well known. <laughs> uh, so you think Roast Battle has done more for you than j the Jellies? I think long term the cartoon will definitely help me more than roast battle. Which has paid more? It's close, just because in my season of roast battle, I won like twenty grand. Uh huh. Um, I, I would say long term, uh, the jellies will pay me more because I get residuals. So this is interesting to me as well. So you're reoccurring on the jellies. I assumed you got. A I'm not reoccurring. I'm a. I'm the lead character. Right, right. You're lead character on the jellies. So I assume what channel is that show on? Adult Swim. You Adult can, Swim. So that's TV. It. I would have assumed you would have gotten like a SAG minimum. For being a lead character on an animated cartoon, that you would have got well over twenty thousand dollars for that. Well, I mean, cartoon. I got and how many seasons? Uh, three seasons. Three seasons of a cartoon on Adult Swim. Well, so, two on Adult Swim. The first season was on his app. You got know, it. Okay, he, so two, even two. Oh, absolutely. I would have assumed you're getting how many? How long are each episode? I think it's twelve minutes on Adult Swim. So I would have assumed you would have gotten two grand an episode. It's around that, but uh, it's only like I think it's ten episode seasons. Okay. Um, here's the kicker: like an anime. So that should be forty grand right there if it's around that. Well, no, grand. ten episodes. But two seasons, so that's twenty that's, twenty episodes. So two it's grand around episode. twenty grand. Okay. Plus you get residuals. Uh huh. Uh, like I get decent money in streams. Mm -hmm. Like roast battle, I have not made one dollar. My some of my battles are because that's non-union, right? Uh, I don't not, know to be honest not, with you. Like yeah, I but, think that's why. Like they don't pay. Uh, you don't get residuals. Like my battles are some of the more popular ones, especially mm -hmm. the one with Jimmy Carr because he's like the biggest. Yeah. One of the biggest comics in the world. Uh huh. I've not made a penny. Yeah, I no. think it's because that is not a union show, so they don't have to do shit. So I they would, could have paid you two hundred dollars once, and that was it. Right, if they wanted to. I get obviously you don't recognize someone from uh, a voiceover work, but uh -huh. uh, like I get recognized, I would say two times a week from Hey, you're that guy from Roast Battle. Oh, that's a lot. Even when I travel, like I went to a Nashville Predators game uh, in Nashville. And I had like two or three people go, "Hey, you're that guy from Roast Battle," because wow. I take off my shirt and do all that stuff. Right. Uh, yeah, you're a memorable person on Roast Battle, which is crazy that I only got one season. Unbelievable. So. Well, you're a straight white man. Yeah, but I was world. good. I was good at the craft. But hey, let's get Blake Griffin on the show. You're, you're not. A, you're not famous, and you're a straight. Oh, white, and you're a straight white man. But that's the thing with so Roast. You're lucky to even gotten one. Thinking about it, I was. 
I'm surprised they weren't like, oh, yeah, you know that guy who's been at every live show in the ballet room for years before this was a TV show? We're replacing him. They that were. Would, that wouldn't have shocked me one bit. They tried. Yeah, exactly. They were like, because uh, I was the house heckler. Let's take him, but let's get a, a diverse lesbian right. woman to play him. Absolutely. Yeah. They tried to get rid of the DJ, who's the quickest guy in the show. And he's African-American. Right. So why would they try and get rid of him? He fits the Well, because he's not pair. technically not famous. Got it. Oh, yeah, they could have gotten... Yeah. Hey, let's get Wayne Brady. Right, exactly. For, but like Coach T, he's the quickest guy in the show, and and you know Moses is great, but Coach T is the like I had a joke once. Now Coach T has about eighty thousand sound files. You know he's got the computer set up. Yeah, and is able to use them all off the cuff in that moment and make them funny. And I never once said, "Hey, I'm going to do a joke about this tonight." So have that file ready. And I, there was like. Uh, Battle going on. I had a boys in the hood joke. I, I said it because I think the guy looked like Ricky, you know, the guy who gets shot at the end. Mm -hmm. Boys in the hood. I mean, I know this movie's a long time ago, but like uh, Cuba Good, his Cuba brother Gooden. in the yeah, movie, yeah. gets shot at the end. It, so you it, do this obscure reference joke. Coach T has a sound bit. One, one second later, Coach T has that scene where Cuba Gooding's like, Ricky. I still to this day don't know how he pulled that up. I'm not kidding you. It was one second after I believe you. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. So, yeah. You go to that show sometime. I, you know, it's one of those shows. It's a live show, so you never know what you're going to get. Some nights were better than others, undoubtedly. Well, oh, absolutely. Roast battles. So there were horrible nights, but there were great nights. And you go, and some of these great nights, you're watching the show, and it's hard to believe that it's all just kind of flown together like that because there's so many things going on. There's so many different pieces and people. It's, it, it's amazing how polished it can be. Well, especially before Jeff got there, it was like the Wild West. Like, yeah. No one was trying to get on TV. It was like, you know, you knew the store yeah. back then, like 2015. Oh, that's when I, I used to go every week uh, when it was, you know, the open mic. And then it became like a segment of the open mic. And then it became its own thing. And week by week, it got bigger it got and bigger. bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, it was, uh, in its heyday, it was it was the thing everyone talked about. You go into the roast battle night, you go and yeah. watch it. Yeah. Because it was wild. It was it wild. Was like, they, they, and I never once wanted to do it because I'm sensitive. And even though it's mostly jokes, I know someone would ro give me some roast about me, and I'd be like, is that what people think about me? Like, I never wanted to do that. I never did it once. I mean, I hated doing it. You know, like, I'm a big 80s metal guy, mm -hmm. and, like, if you ask most of those guys, they hated playing that music, but it was popular, and they knew, like, C.C. <laughs> C. C. DeVille from Poison, like, you see him, you see the blonde hair, the pink guitars, you think, oh, he must love He was love a money grab? He was a classically trained guitar player. Like he he would play like Beethoven and Bach. Right. But there's no money in that. Right. So I'm sure at some point in the mid '80s he was like, uh, "I'm not making any money playing classical stuff. I'm gonna paint my hair blonde, paint guitars." He's a millionaire many times over now. Right. That's how I was with Rose Bell. It's and, not and my. And that thought crossed my head too, of course, because you see all these comedians, and I'm not gonna say names. Some of them are talented. Some of them weren't that talented. Who essentially have uh, a lot of some of them have writing careers now have gone on to do really cool opportunities from roast battle, and yeah, the thought crossed my head, man, I, you don't want to do that, but are you stupid for not signing up for the roast battle because that could lead to well, I think this it, and it, that, but I still never did it. I think you know the writing gigs are tough because uh, 
Like it leads to one writing gig, but then when you're on a regular TV show that's not roast battle where you're looking at someone. I mean, roast battle is skilled bullying. I mean, let's be honest. (laughs) Let me call her fat before she calls me old. Uh, Or let me call Ari... I don't know. Too, yeah, it's insulting each other in a funny way. But it's hurt them before they hurt yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which hurt is, them worse than they hurt me. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I was good at it because I know what they're going to say about me. He's old. That's fine. I look better than you. Yeah. Uh, unless it's Matt Broussard. <laughs> then, you know, we all lose to him. Yeah. But, uh, Handsome guy. You know, he likes young girls. Uh, yeah, but they're legal. Uh, I know uh, you've got some issues in your past, Chief. Not you, but... <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. certain people. Uh, so go ahead, bring that up. Uh, you know, he's related. Yeah, you had defenses ready to go because you know what they were going to say. Right. So yeah. I think someone like you would have been good at it because, like, you're, although you're incredibly known on the scene, no one really knows the real Ari Manis. Right. So you might like young chicks. You might not. You mm-hmm. might like old chicks. Uh, I don't know anything about your family. How long have but, we known? How long have we known each other? Years. Uh, yeah, uh, almost. I was going to ask you about your family today. That was part of my plan. But you can Google my family. Always oh, Ethel is his aunt, Ethel Kennedy. So you can. I don't know, but I never have. I want to get it from you. But you can maybe do some Kennedy yeah. jokes, or you know, I've got some cousins who had some legal issues. I never even really knew if you were a Kennedy because Don Barris would always say it. Well, I'm not. So I'm like, is he a Kennedy? What What is that thing? By like, marriage. So I don't count it. My aunt right. Ethel married Bobby Kennedy. So, who's Bobby Kennedy again? He was the second Kennedy brother that got killed. He got assassinated uh, too? Uh, 1968, the year and, I was and born. And your aunt was married to him, your mom's yeah. sister. My dad's sister. Your dad's sister was married to him. So I, I would get a lot of Kennedy jokes. Uh, point of, you know, but, but do you get any perks for being Kennedy? No, obviously. I'm 52 and still doing open mics. <laughs> yeah, but but maybe that's be- because you're Kennedy. You're allowed, you know, you have you have perks that are paying for your life. I don't know. Well, I mean, like, I'm very prideful, so uh-huh. my Aunt Ethel is one of the probably under 10 people in the world who could call up any head of any studio, any TV show, and that phone call is taken on two rings or less. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Ethel Kennedy. Like, no one is going to refuse her phone call. I realize I could call her up and say, hey, can you call up the head of Comedy Central? I'm on this new show called Roast Battle. Can you just make sure I'm taken care of? But I didn't do that. Cause, right. Uh, and I should have. Uh, looking back now, I should have. Uh, but are you close with? Uh, no, Aunt I'm not Ethel? close with her at all, yeah, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. But I, she's the type that she would do it for me because her and my right. dad were bizarrely close, like in an Adams family type of way. Yeah, brother and sister. But they weren't like to show you how weird they were. I'm at the Beller Hotel one day mm-hmm. on a Sunday afternoon. It's weird how you can remember something like it just happened. I'm eating a burger with my dad. My dad used to drink at the Bel Air Hotel with Harry Nielsen, who's the fifth Beatle. So you're, did you grow up in L.A.? I grew up in Bel Air. Okay, in Bel Air. So I was very, it's very lucky. When you tell people Bel Air, you just, everyone's, oh, this guy's loaded. My dad bought a home in Bel Air in the early 60s when Bel Air was no nicer than, say, Culver City. Mm-hmm. That's not a knock on Culver City, but, you know, Culver City. Culver City's, City's pretty nice, yeah. But it's just an average neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it's nothing special about it. Uh and then the Bel Air fire happened in the mid '60s. It literally burnt down every home in Bel Air, but ours. So we were like getting on the ground floor of a IPO. Like we were in this undeveloped hillside that meant nothing to nobody. And then all of a sudden, what's the place to be? Rich people wanted to live there for whatever reason. Uh, so I grew up there, 
and uh, you know, like we were members at Bel Air Country Club, and now I think it's like three or four hundred thousand dollars to join or something crazy like. Too bad that. you didn't keep your membership. Uh, yeah, it's really sucked. I had some, <laughs> I had some good times there. Uh, but what does uh, that does that mean? Blowjobs? I had some scenes there. They had a steam room. Oh, it's great. It was, I mean. Like the, they had a a co-ed steam room? No, no. Oh. It was a very sexist environment. Women could literally only be there. on. They could only play golf on Friday mornings from like 9 to 11. Was that the one that didn't allow Jews or they did allow Jews? Well, they have different country clubs like Hillside. Some of them don't allow Jews, didn't allow Jews, right? I think it's Hillside is the Jewish country club. Uh -huh. So if you're non-Jewish, it's very hard to join. Got it. And like, uh, I think Brentwood Country Club is another club where it's they prefer Jewish members. Interesting. At least they did. Yeah, yeah. Like Bel Air, there were hardly any black people. Sure. Really, I can't recall of one. I mean, black it's a golf member. club. There's not that many black golfers. There, there's more now. Well, there are especially now back it, then. But I mean, I remember uh, they wouldn't let Michael Jordan play one day. They wow. were like, no. And he was Michael Jordan at the time. And this is prime Michael Jordan. Wow. I think the rumor is literally the next day he joined like 10 country clubs just to be like, F you guys, I don't right. need it. Um, but that's where I heard the N-word for the very first time. It's the whole point of this wacky story is I would love to do the joke because it's such a – it would be my closer. And one night at the comedy store, I'm – talking about i think being on the cartoon and, and there was this huge black dude in the room and he was kind of like daring me to say the n-word i'm like dude i can't i, I can't say that word <laughs> he's like he's, he's i'm like dude i can't say like, dude i'm giving you permission he was like a football player or something he was gigantic and i'm like uh, well I, I do have a funny story about the first time i heard that word and the punchline's a lot funnier if i can say the actual word so he's like dude you get a hall pass this one time just don't get used to it i'm like you got it so i do the story of the first time I heard the N-word. And it's the funniest story, because I had no idea what it meant. I'd never heard the word before. So long story short, I uh, shot bogey golf on the front nine of Bel Air Country Club. Now, bogey golf is one over par. Mm -hmm. so if, uh, Yeah, if, it's pretty good for an amateur golfer. For a guy who never really had lessons or whatever, yeah. just was swinging, it, it's very good. Uh -huh. From the men's tees. So it's not like I was playing from the, the junior tees. It'd be impressive from the junior tees. So Not really, but for the <laughs> men's tees, it's impressive. Uh, It'd be impressive to me from any tees. Like, yeah. Well, it's like golf is a very hard game to master. Yes. It's li literally... The difference between a great shot and you spraying your ball into the woods is a quarter of an inch right. of where you hit the ball. So I ran into the grill room, which is where all the old members would hang out and watch football games and smoke cigars and gamble. And I'm like, guys, guys, I just shot bogey golf on the front nine. And one of the oldest members there is like, Earl, that's golf. And I had no, I'd never heard that word before. So the next day I run down to the caddy yard, which of course is all black. Oh no. And I'm like, guys, guys, <laughs> Mr. Jackson said I shot golf. And the biggest, blackest caddy comes up to me. This guy was like a pro wrestler. He was like six five. He's like obese, like four hundred yeah. pounds. He just looks up and his name was Ray Hood. Why I remember his name, I'll never know. And he's like, Earl. We love Mr. Jackson, but don't ever say that word again. I'm like, why not? And, you know, the, the room at the comedy store, it, 
erupted in laughter. Wait, how old were you? I was probably 48. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, that was the beauty of it, was I was like maybe 13, 14 years oh, old. okay, okay. So it was just the night. Yeah, you were a naive, I was naive, sheltered Bel Air boy. Grew up in Bel Air. The only two yeah. black people in Bel Air were Kareem and OJ. <laughs> uh, OJ used to throw me the football as a I kid. I think OJ did it. What do you guys think? Well, although his blood was everywhere but in his own body that night, uh, no, what, of course he did it. What do you think? They committed suicide? <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's the story of how I. How you heard the N word for the but first I just, time. But I just, I can't. And then set it to a room full of black caddies. Right. With and, golf clubs in their hands. But you just can't. The joke. And then set it at the comedy store. The joke isn't funny unless you can. Someone who looks like me says it, that word, but I can't. Right. I just can't, especially now. Yeah, to, it's it's like you can't, and now you can't even more, you know? Well, you know, the cancel culture is out in full. I mean, I don't have anything to worry about to my knowledge, but. Like, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast. See, I think you do have something to worry about. I, I don't think you can take down someone for being good with women. <laughs> I think you can. Well, it depends. That's where I disagree. But here's the thing. Some of our comrades... And we don't have to name names. Some are famous, some aren't. And, and it's through dating younger girls that I've learned this is I don't burn chicks. Like, you know, even one night stands, I keep in touch with, not for future uh, allegations, no, not for future hookups, but like it's just how I was raised. Like, treat everyone good, don't have enemies. Uh, I think some people, you know, hump and dump. But, and that's where you get I into. You, here's here's what, first off, it's hard to control who your enemies are because people not get really mad. people are sensitive. So if you stop seeing someone, but if you hold against you, for example, I don't want to say names, but uh, let me tell you, one of your ex girlfriends hates you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, and and I don't think you did anything uh, to deserve hate necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, but but you can't control someone else's feelings because they're hurt and. Whatever way, whatever they heard, jealousy. It's sometimes it's just out of your control. Someone's feelings on you. You could do all the right things, but if you're not with that person anymore, they hear the wrong thing. They can despise you. But that's exactly what happened. A in agreed. that case, Ag agreed. I I'm on agreement with you. But unfortunately, in today's world, in this current world we're in, you could blow up tomorrow, and all it takes is for her to come out and be like. Earl's horrible. He did this. And now you're in the limelight as being a horrible guy. And you can't choose what people are going to believe about you. No matter what you say, if this is in variety, there's going to be 100,000 people reading it. 20,000 might go on Twitter and be like, Earl is a horrible guy. Look at what this girl said about him. He's oh. a terrible guy. And that is why we still, even though I don't think we do anything wrong, we still or at least me, I am fearful of cancel culture. Think about this. You're 52 years old, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you're good with women, let's say. Well, let's, I mean, let's say I'm okay. You're okay. You, you're, not, uh, you're not a nerd. You're not a virgin. Let's say 52 years old. I don't know how many people you've been with. Let's say you've been with 100 women. Let's just say. Maybe it's 200. Maybe it's 10. I don't know. I don't keep track. Yeah, I don't keep track. But let's it's just, a let's fair just, amount. Let's just say it's 100. Let's say 2% of women you've been with are batshit crazy, and you didn't know that going in. 
And that's just, I don't think that's a crazy thing to say that 2% of women out there in Los Angeles that are pursuing the arts, whatever, LA women are crazy. So let's say two out of 100 women are absolutely bonkers. And you treat them perfectly respectful like a gentleman that you are. Now tomorrow you blow up and they go, you know what? Fuck girl. I'm going to take him down. Just two women. Oh, that could happen. It could happen. And that is why I am scared of cancel culture. But, uh, I, and I've gone through that, which is uh, like in, in the the ex you're referencing, uh, I'm at the comedy store one night, maybe about a year ago, and uh, my fiance, who's in the back, uh, just watching me in the hallway, uh, a drunk roast battle comic comes up to her, and I don't think I've ever told the story before, but it... it I think it's like the exclamation point of what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, comes up to her and goes, hey, has Earl ever hit you? And, of course, Chandler was like, what the fuck are you talking about? No. Oh, well, his ex said he threw her down a flight of stairs, which I, I, I don't even have a side of the story to that. It right. Just, it just, You're just like, what? It's the first time I heard of it. Right. Uh, I'm like... Uh, my side of the story is no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just, it didn't. And then I started going, okay, well, I'm, I'm analytical. You wouldn't think I'm analytical, you know, because the 80s metal and pro wrestling. Uh, I said, okay, let me, because I have an elephant's memory. I can remember dates I went on 12 years and ago. And you would remember somebody falling down the stairs, whether it was with you, because of you, I, not because of you. If you're with someone... Even if you weren't there, you would remember them falling down the stairs. But I, they told absolutely, you about. Yeah, and I yeah. literally reviewed every physical interaction I had with her—not uh, like sexual stuff, but like, okay, did we ever walk up a flight of stairs and she slipped, or did I ever like, did I slip and bump her and she could take that as and just there wasn't one right remote incident uh, where she could even misconstrue uh, right. a, something like that. So, which is why during this last year of allegations for some of our friends, I'm like, we need to hear their side too. Yes, uh, exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely. You, you can so, be taken down by a girl with false allegations. And once, you know, once it's out there, you're fucked. Exactly. You're so fucked. True or not. This happened to me last week. There was a girl, I think, uh, I don't want to say her name, and she's not a comedian or anything, but... She, she was a girl on Instagram, and like maybe, I want to say three years ago, she DMs me, and she's like, you're cute. I, I you know, I follow, uh, I, I saw your comedy, and I just think you're so cute. And she goes, normally uh, I'm lesbian, but you're just, I, I just, I'm attracted to you. And we start talking, and she sends me nudes, right? She sends me like a video of her self-masturbating. And I'm, you know, she's pretty. She's a pretty girl. I'm into it. And we're talking, we're talking uh, off and on for a few weeks. You know, not every day. We're not dating. We're just like talking. She lives in Canada. And then I'm with a buddy and we're talking about girls. And I, somehow she comes up. Her name was something that comes up. And she go, he goes, Oh, I'm, I'm talking to that girl too. And we're like, And we're like, Oh, really? And I'm not mad. I'm like, Okay, uh, she sent me nudes. Did she send you nudes? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> We're comparing nudes. It's the same. She sent us, like, the exact same 
video, right. right? She's doing the same thing. Like, well, I don't know what weird game it is. Maybe she's talking to a couple people. It's okay. You're allowed to talk to more than one. She's not my girlfriend. We're not dating. But I'm like, a little peculiar, right? Then I f- see who she's following. And I, de- and I see she's following a few other close friends of mine that are comedians. And I, and I call them. And I go, hey, is she, uh, is this girl, are you talking to this girl too? Turns out she's been doing the same thing to like 10 comedians, right? Sending them nudes, talking to them, blah, blah, blah. I call her out on it. I'm like, hey, uh, I don't think we should talk anymore. I just found out from this person, this person, this person, this person that you sent them the exact same news. You're, you're talking to them too. It's just a little weird for me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. That, that's the end of it. We unfollow each other on Instagram. It's over, right? Last week, she sends this guy a screenshot saying, I see that you, uh, you posted one of Ari's videos. I can't talk to you anymore. He... Uh, he, what'd she say? She said, he mentally abused me and blackmailed me for over a year, and he's a pedophile that likes underage women. She says this about right. me to, to someone, to one of my peers. And I'm like, I have nothing to say. I don't, I don't even know where that's coming from. So it's, it's just craziness. It's just absolute craziness. But I have a fear now. Now in the back of my head, I have this fear that there's some crazy chick in Canada that one day is going to tell the world, I was talking to Ari, here's screenshots of us talking, I could tell you firsthand that he's a pedophile and he blackmailed me and he likes underage women. I have All I could be is like, no, that's all I could say. No, it's not true. I never said that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's, it's scary. Like, uh, but like when I heard that about me, I I'm proactive. Like, I reached <laughs> out to every one of our friends and said, "Hey, man, I don't know what you've heard, but that, like, you know." Now, luckily, no one believed her. Like, yeah, because c- it's 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 like people. I think people are like, we probably would have seen bruises or something, or like, <laughs> or you would have talked about it. You would have prior had or a broken. Anything. You know, like, I'm a strong, I hate to even, like, say something like this, but I'm a strong guy. If I threw you down a flight of stairs, your brother down a flight of stairs, you guys would be injured. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, no, I mean, it's just Or at like, least you're very capable of doing it physically. Like, uh, you could say, well, he's, you're good at, uh, you watch UFC, you're good at hiding bruises. But, like, I reached out to every one of our mutual friends and said, I don't know what you've heard, but this did not happen. They're like, oh, we know, dude. But still, you know, she could still come out tomorrow and, and like before the Jelly season three airs. All it takes is for one reporter to be like, that seems like a good story. Sure, I'll let's enter, let's talk about it and I'll put it in variety. Oh, whatever. I've had, I'll uh, put it wherever. I've had reporters reach out to me about certain people on Roast Bow and, and be like, what have you heard? And I'm like, I, I'm not getting involved, man. Like, no comment. Uh, which, when you, yeah, I was like, I don't want to, it doesn't concern me, uh, you know. Because when I did speak out about something, uh, I, I was basically told to be quiet. You know, it's not my fight. You know, when I was speaking out about certain... Uh, well, if you already spoke out about it, you could say what you're talking about, because I have no idea. Well, I mean, about. I think there's uh, some people in the L.A. comedy scene who have uh, issues with underage stuff. And, oh, gotcha. uh, you know, when I spoke out about it, I was told by a network executive, dude, it's not your fight. You know, it's the girl's fight. If she feels violated, she'll speak out about it. I'm like, that's not how it works, dude. Like, victims sometimes don't. Like, I was attempted me too, you know, probably it was uh, 25 years ago by a huge casting director. He attempted to do something twice. Uh, and at the time, I just was like, oh, this is just how the business is. 
Yeah. So I didn't really you just shook it off. You're like, well, not yeah. gonna go around. I'm gonna try and avoid that guy. Yeah. And uh, but then like when Rose McGowan started speaking out about the Harvey Weinstein stuff, I started to go, oh, I guess I was a victim. Like that was kind of fucked up. So I think my point to the the network executive was like, dude, like just because she doesn't think she's a victim doesn't mean she isn't. And she's like, well, dude, it's not your fight. Were you involved? I'm like, no, I wasn't involved. <laughs> then don't worry about it. So, uh, you know, it is a scary time. You know, it's I a weird, s- scary time. I could say your brother tried to touch my pee pee when I left the studio today, and he did. And <laughs> for sure, I'd back you. But like, he would literally never get it. If I tweeted that out uh, when I got home today, he would never get a producing job in this town because the allegations are around him. Yeah. So yeah, there's if you Google his name, that's what pops yeah. up. It's horrible. So it's a horrible thing for him. It's a horrible thing for everyone he knows, his family. Like your situation, like up. well, nowadays screenshots, like you know, are. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you about the technological aspects of uh, allegations, but like, you know, if you send a girl a dick pic, like, and you burn her, especially. Oh man, it's out she there could, forever. She could, but she could tweet that out and go, "Look what he sent me. He, he was uh, harassing me, or whatever." And you could also. Easily manipulate screenshots nowadays. Oh you yeah, easily photo. I could easily make a Photoshop version of me and Earl having a conversation and of him saying the N word seventeen times. Absolutely, and it would look so real. Uh, but you know, I think in uh, from what I've, one of the benefits of dating younger women uh, is you see how they think and react and how they take things. And I would say, like, if you burn a forty-year-old woman. Like, she likes you and you just bail on her. She's just going to fuck one of your friends to get back at you. <laughs> you burn a girl in her early 20s. I remember that girl that you had. <laughs> that girlfriend. <laughs> a few of those. But you burn a, a younger girl. She, You sent her anything erotic or you tweeted her, I want to do this to you, or t- you know, DM'd her. She's going to release that DM and go, well, look what a pig this guy is. So... You know, you have to be. If there's a lesson yeah, to learn, I've had that too. Uh, don't be careful what you say. Uh, you know, I mean, look at what happened with uh, Delia. You know that the whole his whole thing was uh, screenshots. Like, yeah, look what you know now. You know, it's all Delia's whole thing is he said, she said. There's no proof. There's no court case. Well, it's, it's all just yeah. She said this. He said this. And who are you gonna believe? And most people believe believe all women. So he's done. Well, I think in his case, and I'm friends with him, you know, full disclosure, yeah. like, uh, I, I think what looked worse for him was, you know, he, he messaged the girl who was 17, I guess, and she says, hey, you know, I'm 17, and he didn't message her again until, like, I guess the week she turned 18, and that just didn't look good. Like, right. Uh, you, you know, with the other cases, it... That's he said, she said, because there's no video or photo evidence of, you know, Callan or, or Jeff. You know, it's like girl says one thing. They're saying something else. So it's like, OK, who do I believe? Yeah, it's weird, man. It's weird. Let's stray away from this topic. I don't know how we got on it. But because I, it's it's uh, I don't either, but it's it's unfortunately still relevant. And it's well, it it's, always will be. There will always be. And it's on our minds and it happened fairly recently. I feel like it has been talked about a lot, but it's still something that when I see, I haven't been around you in months. We haven't talked about it together, and it's something that's really prevalent in our world. Well, I'm fascinated by the whole, uh, you know, he said, she said, like, uh, 
you know, it's like, how do you choose what to believe? You can only... It's hard. Like, make your decision based on what's in the middle. Like, you know, I didn't touch her. He touched me. And uh, is there anything in the middle that, like... Right. And you go, okay, well, I know him. I don't know her. It's really all just what do you choose to want to think. Yeah. And then people for anyone. delve into their backgrounds. Well, he, he dates notoriously young women, but she has mental issues. And so, like, does that stray your opinion or... You know, like, the, and then the problem is, all we could do is, as a person, make our own opinion about that person based off of the evidence that we've heard and our experiences. But if I have the opinion, oh, I kind of believe this guy, now you have, and you say that out loud, now you have a hundred people that are like, well, fuck you, then you're a bad guy. Yeah, well, it's like the Aziz one was literally the ultimate. He said, she said, like, she said it was sexual assault. He more or less said it was a bad date. Who are we to say it was or wasn't? Who knows? Like, we weren't there. So, I, you know, and, and so it's like, I'm just fascinated by the whole, because we're comics. Like, yeah. You know, and, and we're, you know, we perform at some hypersexual clubs. <laughs> and we talk about hypersexual things in our acts and, and we're still, we're also comics, we're also men, and we do like chicks. Oh, absolutely. You basically just can't be a rock star anymore. Back in the day, you know, a, a comedian was like a shitty rock star. Yeah, I mean, uh, like back a in micro rock star. They're going out, they're performing for live audiences, they're getting drunk, they're doing cocaine, they're chasing pussy. You can't do that anymore. You, oh, you got to be careful because now there's a Me Too movement and cancel culture and the internet. And you combine social media, and you combine all those things, and you might you might lose your whole career and your identity and oh, your scary. reputation based it, off of chasing a girl. Which, yeah, I mean, you're right. It takes one girl or a guy, you know, guy, or a guy. Yeah, you know, could uh, happen the other way. Kevin Spacey. Yeah, I mean, you know, he touched my leg at a strip club once. Did he? Yeah. I was crazy girls on the Bray and Sunset. Were you like, this is cool, or you didn't like it? I mean, no, I wasn't like, this is cool. <laughs> I mean, I loved you in The Negotiator, but I get your... And he just put his hand on my thigh and said, you look dangerous. And I'm like, oh, dude, like... I don't think so, bro. I love girls, man. So, but like... But look at some of the guys he... Like that actor, Anthony Rapp, who, you know, came out, said he was inappropriate with him. It's like, you know... So I don't, I'm not worried, but like you, ha you almost have to be. Even if you have nothing in your past, like it takes one person to sit there and say, you know, he hit me. He, I don't know, tried to put it in my ass. I didn't want it. Like you know, I want to stray away from this please, topic yes, a little please. bit. But it's, I'm glad we talked about it. We got I am out, too. We got out of our systems. Uh, you have been doing comedy for how long? 400 years. 400 uh, years. I've been doing it so long, I get asked that question a lot. You don't even know. I, I don't even remember when I started. I say 20 years now because I, I might have dabbled in open mics in like 99, 98, but I wouldn't say I was a comic. Around when your parents died? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe a little after my how, parents how died. How did they die? 
Um, mom uh, did not believe in doctors. So okay. she had was, about... Was she like a hippie or like why didn't no, she... No, she just was a strange woman. She, <laughs> she grew up in Cartersville, Georgia, which is like, I think they still have lynchings there. Like it's a backwoods. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was backwoods with a little bit of money. So it was a weird... Combination. Yeah. Uh, she had like 400 forms of cancer. Okay, like, so she had cancer, didn't get treatment. I couldn't even tell you what cancer she had. Like I remember as a child probably... Seven, eight years old, I'd watch TV with her. I'd lie in bed with her. I would feel her arms, uh, and she had golf ball lumps Ugh, on her arms. That sounds repulsive. And looking Well, what I mean, looking back now, is clearly cancer, cancer. tumors. And yeah. this was when I was eight or nine or whatever. Uh, she died, I guess, uh, when I was 30. So, like, she, she pro- lived for 20 years with... Hardcore cancer. She smoked, too, cancer. so that didn't... Uh, she had lung cancer. She had liver cancer. Like, it... Her whole body was cancer. Got it. Uh, so we were prepared. I mean, Dad was sick too. Like he, what he die? Of? He was such a hard partier when he was younger uh, that his body basically just gave out. Uh, renal kidney failure. So when he partied, did he just do every drug? He could I, get his hands on whatever drugs they were doing. Like he was more of a drinker. Like I said, he drank with Harry Nielsen. Like if you drink with Harry Nielsen, you're an alcoholic. Got it. But for the last 20 years of my life, he didn't touch a sip. He quick whole turkey. Uh, but, uh, you know, in probably the first 10 years of my life, I remember him being, you know, pretty hammered. Uh, so his body just, he, he, he died of a broken heart and kidney failure. Because as soon as mom died, we knew, okay, he's dying. Uh, so at a young age, fairly young, 30 years 30. old, your parents are, have passed away. Two months apart. And at this point, you're like, I'm going to start. Comedy, or you're thinking about your 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 sense of humor is what? Like, how did that mindset happen? Did you were you a fan of comedy? Why Not, did this? Well, what I, made you decide I'm gonna try stand up? I'm gonna go to Nob Mike. All my friends were high level agents and managers. Uh, ICM, William Morris. Uh, I guess I don't think Three Arts was around back then, but like places like Three Arts, yeah. Uh, I think Triad was a huge agency back then. I think they morphed into like William Morris or something. They were all like, dude, you're funnier than any of our clients. And they had, you know, obviously gigantic clients if you're Mm -hmm. at those places. Just get into comedy. We'll help you. Just get your feet wet. You know, we can't send you on auditions if you've never done comedy before. Like, we'll we'll send you on auditions for like The Tonight Show and – you know, I'm trying to think of other shows that were around at that time. There really weren't a lot of stand-up shows back right. then. Evening so they're telling the... you to do this, and you're like, all right, I'll give it a shot. So I started doing open open mics. You know, I think I went to the comedy store my first time going, well, who doesn't want to start there? Right. Which in hindsight was a major mistake. Sure, but you don't know. At the time, you don't you're know. just like, I love comedy. This is the best place to do comedy. Let's go here. It's like someone going, uh, I want to play basketball. I want to start in the NBA. Right. <laughs> like, it just doesn't, you know. Even... And this is in the dark era of the comedy story. It's still, I was not ready. Because right. I saw Brody Stevens, who I love. Uh, he made an open micer cry. <laughs> he was hosting Potluck. And this guy was up there bombing. And which is no, you got to understand, the open mic at the store in 2000 was not the open mic from last year. Where it's, you know, 200 people signing up. There's agents and managers in the room you know, the last couple of years, yeah. uh, you know, to see younger comics, you know, 
see what they're. Yeah, it's the hot yeah. spot. Yeah, Comedy I, Store is now the hot spot. This or was, was. Yeah, I, well, it will be when it opens back yeah. up. But that's a, we can get into that later. But who knows? But it definitely was before. Like in two thousand, it was like the bar in Star Wars. Like it just it was dead. Every unsavory character, uh, you know. Uh, I'll mention some names that probably won't mean anything to anyone, but like Scotty Barron, who would play dirty songs on his guitar that had two strings on it. Um, you know, homeless open micers. It looked like a bus depot. Yeah. Uh, mixed in with maybe one or two normal comics. So this guy is up there bombing. Brody takes the mic from him, and I don't do a good Brody impression, but uh, I'll give it a shot. Brody's like, where are you from, guy? And the kid, he knew he had bombed, and he was like, um, La Jolla. And Brody was like, well, that drive just got a lot longer. <laughs> just the kid ran out crying. I've never seen him since. Uh, and then the next comic is John Little, who I don't know if he's been on this uh, podcast. No, but he he's yeah. He's uh, what you would call it. A legendary L.A. Uh, unknown comic, I guess. I hate saying open micer because he's not an open micer, but yeah. I don't know what the term is. Like, right. Unknown comic. Yeah. He gets up there, and Brody, who we all know, he had a loud voice, is picking up on some chick on the side mic. I don't <laughs> think he was doing it on purpose, but he's trying to get her number. And John Little just got pissed and walked off the stage. And Brody's like, you got to get back there and be professional. And John Little was like, I'll be professional when you shut the fuck up and start paying me. And I, so this is my first interlude into the store. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> uh, and so I started at open mics in the Valley. And, and then, you know, I had an amazing work ethic. Like I would do, I would say my first three to four years in comedy I went up three nights, a, three times a night, seven nights a week. Like I was going up on average twenty times a week. Uh, I rarely took a night off, and even if I did, like if I went to go see a concert, I'd go to an open mic after the concert. Even right. if I was with a chick, I'd be like, "Hey, I'll meet you at your house. I got to do this mic in Van Nuys, and then we'll hang out again." <laughs> so, I mean, I wanted it. Yeah. So I had the experience level at four years in of probably someone who's been doing it 10 years because uh -huh. I was such a maniac. Uh, so, I mean, I've been doing comedy a long time to answer your question. But uh, whatever happened with the with your agent and manager friends? They, they all said... left the fucking business to get into real estate, <laughs> except <laughs> for one who's still in the business. And he can't, you know, comedy is its own island in the entertainment world. Like, uh, you could be uh, Tom Cruise's manager and you see a funny comic, say you're with Tom Cruise at the comedy store and he sees you and they think you're hilarious. That's it. You got a career. But like what I have found through my one friend who's a gigantic manager, his client list is unbelievable. He's probably the top manager of actors. I mean, he's in his late 40s, mm -hmm. the manager. His client list is incredibly impressive. But in the stand-up world, like, it's just a different... He can't right. really help me because it's, right. it's he could get me into a movie tomorrow. But if I wanted to say, like, hey, can you help me out with Rose Battle? I'm on this show, and I just want to make sure I'm taken care of. He would ha he would be clueless, too. So uh, it didn't help me. So I, like, I got comfortable my first probably seven years being king of the open micers. Like, I was... I wouldn't say I was the funniest guy, 
but I was one of the say top three comics usually on every show, and I was just comfortable. I would as soon as I would walk in, I'd get put up. You know, I I would get put on before Whitney, like because uh, we I wouldn't say we started together, but like we did a lot of the same rooms. If they would put me on before her, because I go right. Earl Sarah put them on. Um, and then she would be like, hey, let's go right. And I'd be like, I'm going to look for chicks. <laughs> like, I didn't tell her that, but I'd right. be like, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm not feeling well. Yeah. Y- you know. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have the same work ethic. Well, I did, uh, but I, I, I'm a horrible networker. I'm better at it now, but, like, uh, you know, like, I started uh, doing rooms with Jeselnik pretty early on, and he would never say, let's write. He didn't need my help. But, uh, you know, he would, like, give me rooms to do, and I'd be like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go hook up with this girl, you know, to myself, I'm saying this. So, like, yeah. uh, Natasha Leggero, I would do open mics with her, and, like, she would be like, hey, let's go to this room, and I'd be like, ah, I'm going to go look for chicks. <laughs> Got, Got it. So, so I fucked up. Your priorities weren't on... Yeah, I, on, I was on I, making it. Your priorities were just well. I still don't know what making it is. Like uh, you know, to some open micers, I've made it. Like they look at me and go, "Okay, you were on. I'm dying up here in a very small role, but recurring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're on a. You're a voice actor on a top cartoon, which is what I'm most proud of. Because to break it, to break into the voiceover world is a hundred times harder than stand up. Yeah, because tight knit community over there. Well, it's like this weekend, let's say we're not in a pandemic, there's probably, what, um, 100 A rooms across the country, 100 B rooms. So there's like 200 decent gigs across the country. And if you're a funny comic, you will get one of those gigs. You really, you know, you just will. In the voiceover world, there's maybe, per month, maybe two or three gigs for a deep voice actor like me. Like a bad guy role in the next, uh, you know, animated cartoon, or because I get the bad guy roles or the marine commercial, like or the, the dad, right? Like I'm on an all black cartoon because of my voice, but you know, so I'm competing against. There's not that many people you're competing against. I'm for my baritone Darth Vader like vocals. There's maybe ten of us, and we all work. Like, you know, I go up against Billy Brown a lot, who is, he's also an actor. Like, he he was the bad guy in Sons of Anarchy in the last couple seasons. He's just, like, this gigantic black dude. He, he's like a black Clint Eastwood. Like, he's got the stubble, this amazing body. He's a great actor. Uh, I'm going up against him and maybe two or three other guys, you know, for... Like, what did I audition? Voiceover world is very secretive. But do you have, like, a voiceover agent manager? I'm with the top voiceover agency uh, in, the, I guess, the world, you'd say. But I got that through Roast Battle, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, Tyler, the creator, saw me at Roast Battle. He's like, and I had no idea who he was. You know, I'm into, like, Bon Jovi and Poison. Right. So he's like, and it's a joke I do on stage. He's like, I want you to be my dad. I'm like, who are you? (laughs) <laughs> like, he just came up to me. I was like, I want you to be my dad. I'm like, well, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm Tyler, the creator. I'm like, great. I'm Earl, the comic. Uh, <laughs> like, what? It's kind of a cool story, though, because you hear, I don't know, you hear about these stories of like, oh, well, I was a comic, and this person saw me, and the next thing you know, I was on a TV show. But I mean, I lucked it's out. It's kind of one of those crazy things that you don't think is going to happen to you, and then it, all of a sudden it, it did. It well, happened to you. Yeah, I mean, it was so lucky. Because anyway, you've been doing comedy 20 years, and all of a sudden, you, it's just a regular night. Some guy you don't even know is like, hey, I want you to be my dad on a cartoon. And you're like, all right. 
Yeah, because this was at the time where I don't even think Jeff was involved with Roast Battle yet. This is when it was just a wild, you know, just like the gong show meets all in the family meets like it was like we went for yeah. it back then. Oh, yeah. So with that, I mean, they had a rule. And one Edward apiece. You, you could uh, remember it, that rule in the beginning it, of Roast Battle. If it was two white comics, they each got to say the N word once. And I'm talking hard ER version. Yes. Not the GGA. And it was just an unwritten rule that it was like literally, or no, it was not even unwritten. It was written. He'd say one N word apiece. It was verbally said. Yeah. You each get one N word. Go. And, no, and barely anyone used them. Most it, of the time they were not used, but still. But one time, and I won't but say they the, were used. I won't say the comic's name because he's a good friend, and and but it was part of the rules. Uh, he used it to win a battle because the joke was, uh, you know, it was it was back and forth, and it was his it was the last joke, and he saved it for the last joke. He's like, "Well, uh, we both know uh, Matt's dad uh, left him, and uh, his mom fucks." I've oh. been I've been to <laughs> mic drop. It did drop yeah. the mic, and I, let me tell you right now, I've been to Super Bowls, I've been to World Series games, I've been to Stanley Cup finals. You have five World Series footballs buried in the back in your childhood four, backyard. Four, four, four. I've been to Kiss <laughs> concerts. I've never heard a room explode. Like, when he dropped the mic, and it was like a Jerry Springer, like, oh! Like, it was, it was insane. Like, um... So, yeah, I mean, but it was just luck that here's Tyler. I thought he was friends with Jamar because this is when the all-Negro wave had just started uh, forming an identity Mm -hmm. because before it had a little structure, it was just whoever wanted to sit across. What's happening with Roast Battle now? Is it dead? That I don't know. I mean, I— Might be dead. I don't know. Well, I I don't know. everything's dead right now because of COVID. I mean, I think it, they were doing uh, not virtual roast battles, but uh, like Zoom roast battles. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think it, I don't know how it comes back and, and it's the same fun show it used to be. I don't see how you can do those shows yeah. uh, or the jokes. I mean, I was talking with someone the other day about it. Like the first battle I had on, well, the second battle I had on TV, I was battling Tom Ballard, who is this amazing Australian comic. He's gay, so that's basically what the majority of my jokes were about. And Kevin Hart was judging, so I thought, well, I want to kind of, I want to zing Kevin Hart too in a Tom Ballard joke. So I think the joke was something. This has been four years, so I'm not sure if I'm remembering it entirely. But I, the joke was Tom Ballard is gay, so uh, I guess that means he's taken more shots to the back than Kevin's unarmed cousin. <laughs> and the room blew up. Like now, I was very excited because Montreal. They, yeah. I, I will say this about Comedy Central or whoever built the stage, it was amazing. Like, it's probably the, yeah, it felt good. It was a good room for comedy. Dude, when they call my name out and he's the, like Darth Vader, Star Wars doors open up and I walked out, I'll never forget that feeling as long as I live. Of it was like a Kiss concert starting. Like there was a guy in the front row who had a Skakel Army T-shirt on. I still to this day don't know who that guy was. Uh, it was just like to go from the belly room with no hope of getting on TV with this little show that could to like Montreal, and in my mind, millions of people were watching. I, 
I don't know if that's true because it was on Comedy Central, but uh, thousands. For I, sure. I, I mean, at least a couple hundred thousand at the yeah. minimum. I'll guess a million on terms of TV. I'll guess a couple hundred thousand streams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Uh, we'll consult with Barry Katz on the final <laughs> numbers. Um, and Milanius used to intern for Barry Katz. I mean, I, was a, I used to produce his podcast. He's done both of our podcasts. The Industry Standard. Well, his podcast, to show you how controversial he is, I had two huge comics reach out to me after I think I put out, hey, coming on next week on Inappropriate Old Barry Cats. And I took a picture of him on my couch. And I both comics say, don't release the episode. I'm like, well, why? why? Like, well, he's he fucked over me. He fucked over this person. Like, he's a bad person. And, like, I'm the type that I won't talk shit about someone unless they wrong me. Right. Uh, I think most people are. Well, no, I know a lot of people in our business that will talk shit. Like, I know a lot of people talk shit about me getting roast battle, the TV uh, portion. Cause it will, well, no one, I've never heard anyone talk shit about Well, him. it's like, well, I'm a better battler than him. Because I'm not really... A, a technical battler. Like, see, I, half the things you, half of our insecurities, like people are talking shit about me over. But this, I know they are were. all in your head. No, one's no, talking they're shit not about you. They're, I'm telling you right now. Like, I know I'm a very well liked member of the comedy community, uh, but I know people were going. Well, I write better jokes than Skakel does. He just takes off his shirt. So and, maybe a couple people in like the roast community. I, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, gotcha. Well, yeah, and maybe. I'm like, well, you know, it is a TV show. And then there's tons of people just talking shit about the roast battle community as a whole. And, and well, know? the funny thing is, most of those people, like it was mainly alt comics. Oh, roast battle's not comedy. It's uh, hacky, uh, you know, yo mama type jokes. And then they were trying to get on the show. <laughs> yeah. Like eventually, you <laughs> yeah. Had, eventually they go, oh, I should probably do oh, that. Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a chance to get on TV, and yeah, they get a writing job. I'm yeah, I'll go sign up for that. Because totally. well, I mean that we got into the writing thing in, initially, and I think a lot of roast battle comics are struggling with writing gigs because that's all they. It's know. It's different. Yeah. Well, it's like like I uh, writing a script is not the same as writing a roast joke. Well, it's also uh, you know you. Like award shows are always looking for uh, writers, you know, to give like Snoop Dogg a line or, um, you know, a celebrity like a monologue, and and that's not calling someone fat. Like you have to give them, <laughs> like so they struggle. Like I, some roast battle comics, sure, uh, yeah. Pat Barker does not struggle. He's a great joke writer, right? Uh, Mike Lawrence, uh, but some of the younger comics who got fame on the TV show and, and some who didn't get the TV show but were good at the, the weekly show, they really struggle in the writer's room because it's like... But no, they still got those opportunities. Once. From that roast battle. But still, it's something... Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, it's something that makes you th made me think, uh, should I be doing the... Even though I didn't want to do the roast battle, but because I'm sensitive, it I definitely had the thought as a young comic that's not working... The thought crossed my head, am I stupid for not signing up for the roast battle? Oh, I get and it. I'm sure those alt comics had that same thought. Yeah. I mean, I benefited probably more than anyone. Uh, and it wasn't, I mean, I sold out doing it just because I'm, I'm more roast battle myself in my act. Like, hey, I, I like shitty music. I like, you know, to wear leather pants. Look at me. I'm 52 wearing leather pants. What a <laughs> moron. Uh, I don't feel comfortable looking out at you or your brother or whoever I battled on TV. Uh, you know, girlfriends I've battled. Go, hey, you're fat. Uh, and then, you know, you wonder why you broke up a month later. Um, <laughs> uh, 
but you know, I sold out going, I got, I got, you know, I'm at the time, uh, was it the 45 or whatever I was like, I got to get on TV soon. Like I'm, I'm, I got to sell out, do something. Right. So yeah. Especially know. as you get older. Well, yeah, you, it's you a young, get more and more. Yeah, it's a young man's game. You think, for the most part, yeah, exactly. Although I do find in comedy, if you're actually funny, you can break when you're older. I'm yeah, not it's saying just my harder. age. It's oh, just absolutely, less, less common. But sure, there's the Joey Diaz's, right, and uh, Eric Griffin. And, the, uh, I mean, you know, there's people who kind of you can like, uh, but like if you look at like the, my season of roast battle, I didn't really watch the other ones. Like the comics who were taken care of primarily were youngerish comics. Like mm-hmm. I was thrown to the wolves, but <laughs> I kept winning. So it was like they had to use me. Yeah, you were almost an underdog for being the old guy. Oh, I was the underdog. Yeah. Well, they would put me up against people who were, I think, uh, and this is fascinating. If, if you're trying to get into TV, it's the politics of of comedy. Uh, well, this person's boring, but they're a better writer than Earl. So we need Earl to make them look good. Like to make, you know, it is TV. It's like, you yeah, just can't sit there and go, Ari Manis is so Jewish looking. Uh, you, you know, you have to like say it in the, this wild way or it's mm-hmm. just like, you know, we could just email the jokes and they could pick a winner. Right. Uh, so I decided to do like a pro wrestling, you know, yeah, type fun. presentation. Yeah, it's exciting. So shirtless, uh, spandex, leather hair. pants. Uh, I think for my, the finals, I was going to come out naked. But Are you in like, better shape now or then? Uh, I'm in great shape right now. You're doing good. Well, because I bought an elliptical at the beginning of the pandemic because gyms were closing. Equinox uh-huh. closed. The Rumble Boxing Place. I go, And I'm not plugging these places. It's just where, I'm, where I was going. Uh, they closed. Uh, the, all the hot yoga places I went to, they closed, uh, which is weird because you would think, Whatever your thoughts on coronavirus are, whether you believe it, you're kind or of, or if you don't believe it, I do. Be- kind of I do believe it's out there. Trust me on that one. Uh, <laughs> I don't. It's not. Well, I mean, it's a uh, sham. Well, how do you? Are you being serious or no? I mean, it's it's out there, just like the common cold is out there in the world. Well, I, I believe it's a little more severe than the common cold. <laughs> yeah, but, a little more. Well, there's like three hundred thousand people who've died, so I think it's allegedly. Something. What are you, uh, Alex Jones? Now are you going to get into the green people? <laughs> I don't know. I no. I'm just I think, seeing what time I think it's it is. Out there. I'm not a scientist. I think it's out there. I'm not an expert. I just think that our we should the world should be open. Well, here's my thoughts that's all on I'm, it. I think I'm pissed off that the world is shut down because of this. I don't think that's, that's well. So am I. A reasonable thing. But I do think that like, and this I'm not a scientist. It's just my uninformed opinion. I think that it. If you have a good immune system, if you're healthy, even if you get it, you can survive it. Sure. Um, I have you a br- brother-in-law. Uh, he has severe MS. Like, it's literally the most severe form of MS I've ever seen in someone. Like, this guy was a award-winning cameraman mm-hmm. um, on, like, Spielberg films. Like, he, he was in decent shape, but he had MS. He got it. He survived. Yeah. Um, oh, Trump is an obese, yeah, seven guy in his seventies, <laughs> on tons of meds, eats you know. horribly, eats horrible. It's, uh, like yeah, it's, uh, you know, chances are you're going to be fine, and that's why. Listen, it's sad. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I don't want to murder someone. Oh, that's fine. We're fine. Um, I don't want to murder someone. I don't want to be the cause of a death. But, and I'm and I feel bad for all the people that have died of coronavirus. But 
at the same time, I, I don't think that the world should be shut down. That's all I'm saying. And some people would say I'm evil for saying that. And I'm a bad guy. I mean, I'm an idiot and all the names, whatever. But well, no, I that's mean, my it, opinion. I mean, I went to a Kiss concert probably the week. I think it was maybe a couple days before the country shut down. I think it was March 4th. I was at Staples Center with 20,000 people uh, packed in. Kiss fans, like there had to be coronavirus in that crowd that night. <laughs> Uh, among, and gonorrhea. Oh my God, it was like so nasty. And HIV. But it probably was. Uh, but I do. And it's, herpes. It's funny you mention HIV. And chlamydia. Every sexual disease known to mankind. And there's a special strain of chlamydia called roast battle. And uh, <laughs> I mean, come on, there's some diseases going around that room on a Tuesday night. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> but I, I liken coronavirus to a HIV, AIDS. From the standpoint of, like, I'm old enough to remember when HIV AIDS came out, like, no one knew, like, it was like, who gets this? At first it was, well, it's just a gay disease because it was happening primarily yeah. in, in bathhouses in New York, Frisco, and West Hollywood. And then I think little by little, a gay guy sleeps with a bisexual man. Bisexual man sleeps, sleeps with, with a, a straight, straight woman. woman. Yeah, A woman gets it, and then it's like, what is she doing with it? How does she get it? Women can get it. And I really think that's, I still don't think they know who is the most susceptible to coronavirus. Like, first it was older people because their immune system is basically dying. And still then, is. Still is older it, people. But like, and then. The one who's dying of it. Like the one baby who got, I think the one famous case where the six week old baby died from getting sure, it. Sure, there's, there's, there's uh, like, oh, anomalies, young, but overall right. it's just old people. So, uh, but there are people, I, I think it's a little more than anomalies. Like there's a lot of people in, or a fair amount of people from like 30 to 50 who have passed or, or gotten severe. There's people that get it, but statistically speaking, it's about the same as the flu. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wish uh, I, the society was open again, like, you know, comedy. I mean, we all miss comedy. Like mm -hmm. the one show I did at the comedy store in the parking lot, like it was pretty full we were behind a, um, the window like yeah, a hockey it's horrible for me I don't well know. no not the or window show oh. but it was in the parking lot you know and there obviously everyone's socially distanced with tables six feet apart or whatever it was but i've ne i've done comedy for a very long time 20 years maybe longer possibly and i've never in my life felt the love from an audience of like we're glad you guys are here like uh, I think it was like Dean Del Rey and, and Brian Simpson and, and uh, me and, and whoever else was on the show. But the audience was looking at me like, we love you right now. We're, for these next half hour, 40 minutes, we don't have to hear about the deaths of coronavirus or, mm -hmm. or something being shut down. I mean, it was the most amazing show I've ever been a part of from the standpoint of I've never felt love like that from a crowd. And I felt like I needed this, too. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. And even though I stumbled on a few jokes because it's been eight months, I think that was right. my for my first show, uh, and I even experienced that to a lesser degree a couple of weeks ago when I opened up for Rob Schneider and and the baseball field in Ontario. Oh, how was that? It was very cold. Uh, like he sells out everywhere. He sells out in a pandemic. Like mm -hmm. he, he's he's under probably one of fifteen comics. Yeah, he's a movie star. You know, you know Rob Rob Schneider, Russell Peters, Jimmy Carr. Uh, you know, uh, I'm Joe, obviously Rogan and Diaz and a couple others. Like it was packed. It was it was Canada cold. I'll I call it. Had to be in the 
mid to high 30s, which is cold for us. Um, but it was the same type of – you could only see the front row of cars. Have you done an outdoor, like one of those parking lot? Mm-hmm. Like you could only see the front row of cars, and then right. it was just horns. But you could – that front row of cars, and it was also the next night it was in a, the rooftop of Irvine uh, Improv – you could see them love it. Like they're just—they're almost in tears. They're like, "Oh my god, we're out again for the next hour or two. Even though this guy's making jokes about uh, the fourth guitar player from Doc, and <laughs> we're loving this. Like, there's almost tears in their eyes. Uh, so it was like, uh, it was just, you know amazing to, and it made me miss. Like, oh, I remember the last show I did before the pandemic uh, was in the OR. It was packed. And it was like my perfect audience. Like if I, I don't know what my target audience is, but this was it. I do oddly well with younger audiences. You wouldn't think being fifty-two, none of the shows I talk about they're gonna get. They weren't born when Miami Vice was on the air. They weren't born for another ten years. To my left was the Ontario Rain hockey team. Now that is the Kings, the L.A. Kings farm team. Mm-hmm. So it's the, the future Kings. And I recognize them all. I'm like, oh my god, that's Boko Imama. That's Matt Luft. <laughs> you could name the farm players for hockey teams for the Kings. I'm the such Kings? a huge hockey fan yeah. that I knew every guy. That, that's Sean Dursey. They just traded for him with Toronto. Oh my god, that's uh, that's Paul Adu. He's been with the Kings for two years. Right. And then to my right, uh, sorority girls. Uh, you know, and it's funny. At the end of the night, I hooked up the rain with the sorority girls, and they went to Saddle Ranch. So nice. I don't, I don't know what happened after, but like. It was heaven. I can remember that show like it was two minutes ago because it yeah. was like, it's so good. And then the pandemic hit, and it's like, I miss that. Like, and then so I got a little bit of taste of it with the outdoor shows. But. How's everything in your personal life? Do you need advice on anything? Right now, it's good. Like, uh, things with your girlfriend good? Great. Are, uh, is it your girlfriend or your fiance? Fiance. Fiance. When are you guys getting married? Well, it's hard to plan something like that in a pandemic. You're not going to do a Zoom wedding? No, no. I know uh, Handsome Rob just did one. Uh, the wait. Oh, he got married? The bartender. The, the bartender. Yeah, so yeah. I, I saw. He something. got married. To his, yeah, he's been with that girl a long time. Good for him. So this might be a horrible way to end the podcast because I'm I'm obviously, we all need help, but like. Nothing uh, off the top of your head. Well, You're I mean, good. Uh, you know, I'm missing comedy. I mean, I'm not yeah. going to say I'm lost without it, but like. Sure. It's definitely a void. Uh, yeah, the way I look at it is just like we're never gonna have this much time off of comedy again. It's kind of just a forced sabbatical. Well, I little think vacation. It will be very interesting. You'll know that first week of shows, uh, you know, life will be normal again. Uh, you're gonna see who worked and who didn't. Like, I know I didn't. But like, if you're still, but do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna work again. But I mean, by that I mean who worked on their act. Like, I've still, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I have like two new jokes. Well, <laughs> like. You know, like still I've, time, still time, few more months. But like I've, uh, you know, on average in a non-pandemic uh, life, I probably I try and write at least a joke or two a day. Most of them horrible, longer versions of one-liners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you know, so that's but you, you try. Know, that's thirty to sixty jokes a month I'm writing, mm-hmm. um, and out of those thirty to sixty, you know. There's maybe five good ones. So I can, that's 10 minutes. I can do a uh, new 10 minutes. I would say in the pandemic, I've lost motivation because you can't tell the jokes. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm doing 
15 jokes a month now that I write. And like, That's great. Well, they're, most are horrible. Like I'm very sure. much in the kiss zone of joke writing. What I mean by that is sure. kiss you, throw has, a lot, you throw shit out the wall and see what sticks. Totally. I, nothing wrong with that. I, but I probably do that more than any comic working or not working. Like, you know, kiss has 40 albums out, literally 40 albums. I didn't albums. know it was that much. They probably have uh, on those albums is it, four to five hundred uh, songs on those. Wow, maybe I'll guess prolific. Ten to twelve songs per album. They probably have another hundred songs that didn't make the albums. Besides what they call the business, but I don't want to bore you with technical talk. MPYP. You got a lot of B sides. So you've got probably six hundred fully written and recorded songs, but you can really only name. Five or six Kiss songs, you know, Rock and Roll All Night, Detroit Rock City. That's what I try and do. I want to write 500 bad jokes so I can have 10 ones that people remember. You know, now That's obviously great. I'm 52. So, like, you know, it's like, Earl, you better start writing some more. <laughs> you better get on it, dude. You know, better start recording these for the album. Yeah. New Faces ain't calling you at 60, bro. So it's the time is now, brother. Uh, but, you know, uh, things are going relatively well. I mean, that's great. Um, Onwards and upwards. I mean, you know. I think. I mean, my fiance is twenty four years younger than me, but like, that's a good thing. Well, it you. is, but you know, I through past relationships of dating younger girls, I, I figure out. Um, and I want you know, I've never hooked up with your fiance. Well, I mean, that's. I mean, it's, but see, I don't care about stuff. I like never that. did. But here's the thing: I never did. I don't care what she says. I don't care what anyone else says. I didn't. But here's the thing: like, and this is. Like Milan didn't either. Well, I hope not. I don't know her name. It's perfect. Let's keep it that way. But I mean, that's like I've never cared about how many guys a, gr a girlfriend of mine has slept with before me. Sure, I could care less. Unless she was like, it's, it's one thousand. But see, here, that and maybe this is the therapy part. Even if it was one thousand, if I don't know who they are, it's like she's never slept with anyone. Like I've gotten into trouble. Like if in, it was a thousand, I don't care. She'd probably have like a blown out asshole. Well, I mean, and then you know. Well, if it was a thousand, and I put my pee pee in, and I'm like, oh, I think this girl's done this before because uh, <laughs> I don't feel anything. Um, but that's just a weird thing I've always had. A, a girl could literally sleep with three hundred sure. guys. But I don't ask. When a girl's like, "You want to know my number?" I'm like, "Nah, I don't care. That's your business." But that's the thing with younger girls, and I found it, you know, obviously I dated a, a lot of girls associated with roast battle, and uh, I don't know if it's just a roast battle thing, but it was the weirdest thing is, like, so many of, of the girls I dated from that show wanted to know. They wanted sure. to know names, and I'm like, <laughs> it's, let me, if I can give one bit of advice on unlicensed therapy, yeah, let's it hear would it. be this, uh, to, uh, I guess, the To age, new couples. To new couples, you don't want to know the names. You, you don't, don't want to know. You don't want to know the numbers. They already did it, so it's not going to. It, it's it. Literally, nothing good will come from knowing the number or the names, because then, like, if, and this goes more towards. And the, even if she tells you, it's probably not even true. Well, I'm honest. Yeah. So, like, if someone asks me, I'll tell them. Uh, I'll give them a uh, an estimation. I don't keep yeah. numbers. Uh, I have a list. Well, I know someone who does. I know a girl who has a list. I have a list, too. Uh, I don't. It's for safety is why I have it. Well, this goes back to two hours ago when I said, uh, you know, I try my best not to burn girls, which is why, uh, you know, I still talk to the first girl I had sex with. We don't talk a lot. 
I still talk to, I get Christmas cards from probably three out of the last four girlfriend's parents. Uh, because, uh, and obviously with the one who, we, you know, the falling out happened, uh, I, I think even her parent, the one parent I would be happy if we were in a room together, uh, it goes to not burning people. Um, so, but, you know, g- getting back to, you know, with the younger women I've dated, the second we had that conversation of, well, I slept with this person who's a comic, and then they start stalking their Instagram page, and, and they see a picture of them in a bikini. It's like, well, you like that more than my body. And, and like, it, it's such a rabbit hole of, like, if you told me, uh, let's say we were gay. Let's say you and I are gay. Think we could be one day. Well, you know, pussy's been a gateway drug to dick for me, Holmes. Uh, I've been one waiting. day, hypothetically, God forbid, no, your fiance no, passes in a car accident. You think me and you could ever be a let's thing? Let's say you, you and me are a couple, a gay uh-huh. couple. Uh, who's top, who's bottom? Well, trust me, you don't want to be a bottom with me. So you're saying I get to be top? Well, we'll I get to pound that? We'll talk about I it. I get to pound that man pussy of yours? The whole point of this conversation. Okay. This probably wasn't the best example. <laughs> like, if you and I are a couple, I don't want to know if you've hooked up with Jimmy Rogers. Like, I don't want to. I wanna, haven't. <laughs> well, you might. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you have, great. If you I ha- haven't. Because then, like. Never will. But if we were younger, let's say we're two young gay dudes. Uh huh. And I said, hey. I'm just going. I'm trying to give you an insight of <laughs> how a younger it. mind thinks. No, this it. is yeah, not yeah. for you or your brother. This is mm-hmm. for the people listening. Okay, okay. So if I say to you, like, this has happened to me, ask me if I've hooked up with Jimmy Rogers. Have you ever hooked up with Jimmy Rogers? Let's say I say yes. What are you going to do? You're going to go on Jimmy's page. By the way, Jimmy Rogers is a great comic. Nice guy, funny. Uh, he's like the funniest. He's so gay, he's Sweet. straight. Yeah, uh, I'm just using him as like a in a bad definitely example. not so gay, he's straight. He's so gay, that he's super gay. <laughs> he's so but, gay, he's gay. <laughs> he's so gay, he's but like definitely you're gay. probably gonna go on his Instagram page and you're gonna look at pictures of us together. You know, maybe you know you see. All and then you, when I see him, there's gonna be some animosity and right, overthinking. It, it's not gonna lead to anything good and, by right. you telling me that. Yeah, and totally. it's not to say that you should lie. Like, I've had girls say, have you slept with this person at the comedy store? And I'll be like, yeah, because I'm honest. And then it gets, they're up at the comedy store. They see that person. There's an uncomfortable vibe. Totally. The, the other girl doesn't know why because it's like, that's what her. Oh, we're we're yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh, oh, she's looking at me mean. Oh, she must have put it together. Like, it never worked. It's never worked out. Um, you know, I've had this happen to me before. I, just, I gotta at four oh five. I gotta put money in the meter. It's okay. That's all good. Wrap up here. Uh, I, you break up with someone. You get back together, and they say, "Have you hooked up with people?" It's like, why do you want to know? Doesn't matter. We were single. Yeah. Like we were broken up. You could have fucked twelve guys. I don't care. I don't want to know. I don't want to know their names. Yeah. Uh, I hooked up with a few people myself. You don't need to know their names, and it's not like you're trying to hide it from them. Right? Say, it's because here's what's it's not going to lead to anything good. Here's what's there's nothing lead good to. from it. This is what's going to lead to. You mentioned one name. Yeah, I hooked up with uh, Susie Q, and then they're going to want to one up you. They're going to be like, "Well, I hooked up with your 
your friend from roast battle, uh, you know, Jimmy uh, Punjabi. And then, and then you're gonna, then you're probably kicks it. Jimmy Punjabi, really good roaster. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you're gonna want to one up. Okay. Well, you, you maybe you don't like Jimmy Punjabi, so you're like, well, all right. Well, I, uh, you know, uh, I hooked up with your sister. Right. And then, it, well, I fucked your sister. And then it's like, while we were on a break, your sister, your twin sister, right. I fucked her. Right. And then you're like, well, I hooked up with uh, Peter Punani. Uh, you know, and it just goes, it's a back and forth. It's like, is that Indian? Uh, is he Indian, Peter Punani? Peter. He's a Afghani comic. Uh, okay. He kills. Got it? Hello. <laughs> um, so it it just never ends well when because it gets into a tay to tay ego. Like I'm just saying, I don't want to know. Smart, reasonable advice. Well, it's from an older dude, and you might even think, "Oh, I could handle it. I'm mature. It doesn't bother me." It will bother you. It will and bother it'll you. It'll bother her. So just don't do it. Even if you think you can handle it, you can't. Well, this is more for older dudes dating younger girls. (laughs) No, I think this advice is for anyone. If it's a young person dating a young person, if you guys take a break, if you guys had a past, you don't need to tell each other about it. Right. But I think, though, that, uh, and this goes back to, you know, certain people having trouble with allegations or whatever. Like, you burn a younger girl, they're going to process it differently because in most cases, not all. But in most cases, they're they haven't experienced enough life to know how to reasonably say, okay, A, B, C, D. They're gonna go right to D, and like where's you if you burn an old. Before you know it, your tires are slashed, and they've taken all your stuff out of your apartment and given it to the garage sale next door, and you're going and buying your own stuff from a garage sale. This sounds a little specific. <laughs> May have, may have happened to me once. I mean, listen, I'm the king of bad breakups, but uh, in 99% of those cases, I end up down the road being friendly with them. Maybe not best friends, but if I see them at the comedy store, it's like we hug each other. Hey, how you doing? Oh, is this your boyfriend? Hey, nice to meet you. Whatever. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's my therapy version. That's big dick confidence right there. Well, it's well, well that's something my mom told me, and, and it's true within 99.9% of accuracy. She told me when I first started having sex, always make them happy first, i.e. make them come first. Your mom told you this. My mom was a strange Your mom with tumors all over her body said, make all your girlfriends come. My mom, in her way, like, I think it's why people love me on the comedy scene. She had a tumor on her brain if she was telling her son this. Well, here's so, the thing, Apologies, because she probably No, did. she did. Probably yeah. did. I mean, let me tell you, when you see someone riddled with cancer dead, when I walked into the room and she had j- literally just passed right before I walked into the room, uh, you, you would never smoke a cigarette again. Uh, but she taught me two things. Make girls come. Yeah, absolutely. Make them happy. My mom taught me two things. Always make a girl come first. And what's the second Make thing? them happy first, and they will always come back. Now, I'm not saying every single girl I've slept with has come back. but uh, A lot have. A lot have. And even if we don't have sex again, it's like, hey, this guy treated me right. How you doing, Earl? This mm-hmm. is your fiance. Nice to meet you. This is my husband or whatever. And he, you know, It's true. If you, if, if you make a girl orgasm... Chances are she's going to want to orgasm again. And if you're single and, uh, you know, they're horny, you're horny, they're going to, you know, hey, what are you doing tonight? Uh, uh, you in about 20 minutes. Uh, if, if, and the second thing my mom said is treat everyone the same, which is why I see Russell Peters, I hug him. I see Boon Shakalaka, 
uh, maybe I don't hug him, but like I, I used I, to hug him. One day he started hugging me too much, and I said, "You're not allowed to hug me anymore." Well, he's. I almost got killed during uh, right after the George Floyd thing. I'm walking my dog in West Hollywood, and that's the epicenter of some of the uh, riots. I mean, protest. Uh, <laughs> no, because the sheriff station's right there. It, it got a little confusing. And Boone, there were it, riots. Boone is on the bus bench. Outside the West Hollywood Sheriff's, he sees me, I'm walking Lois, and he starts yelling, Who killed George Floyd? <laughs> and, <I'm> like, <laughs> and he's like following me. Doing Wasn't there like, a point where everyone thought he died or something? Oh, no, I Is have multiple free? pictures of him during the pandemic. No, 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 I believe you. I'm saying, wasn't there a point, though, where everyone thought he was dead for a minute? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Boone is, if he doesn't die from coronavirus, no one will. Uh, I, mean, he, I don't think he will. But he's like, who killed those flies? Who shot those flies? I'm like, oh, dude, dude, not right now. It's too hot right now. It's like there's still protesters around and like there's people with backpacks with spray paint, you know, coming out of their talk. I'm like, dude, not now. I got to go. I gotta yeah, go. but he's black and gay. He could talk about anything. Yeah, but anything. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but at least you're I'm, talking about with him. I'm white and as straight as you can get. I mean, you know, so. Uh, but my point is, I talk to Boone the same way I talk to Russell Peters. I agree. You're nice to everyone. Well, I try and be. You've always been nice to me. You've been nice to everyone. You're beloved because you will give anyone the time of the day. You will talk to anyone. Uh, it's a good quality. I, I it is and it isn't because uh, probably ends ends you up with a lot of people talking to who you don't want to be talking to. Well, I but, think, uh, but it's a good quality. You you have it. Steve Simone probably has it the worst. Steve Simone. Uh, Steve Simone's very nice to everyone. Steve Byrne. Uh, I, I haven't noticed that with Steve Byrne, I, but I believe but it. But I mean, like, he's yeah. so nice. I've never seen the bad. If he has a bad side, I've never seen it. Uh, Josh Wolf, Russell. Oh, yeah, Josh Wolf. Can you imagine nice. how many people hit up Russell for cash or gigs? Oh, yeah. Or, but at least they're like, yeah. Um, so it can, you'd think in hindsight, it would help you in comedy. Everyone would want to help you because you're so nice. But I find, in my case, that uh, sometimes people will want to burn you because they know you're not going to do anything. Interesting. Which now doesn't happen because the last couple of years I've spoke out about, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because you are a very nice guy. But if you someone looked at your Twitter alone. They'd be like, oh, that's not that nice of a guy. <laughs> well, I remember I did the Roast Battle podcast once, and this was my prime anger of the show for how I was treated. Uh, Moses asked me to come down to the Comedy Central, the Viacom building, because that's where they, I guess, moved from yeah. the, the Comedy Store to actual Comedy Central's building. And I went nuts. Like I, I, I went into the pro, most pro-wrestling heel speech, and I meant every word of it. Uh, I, and I had like the head of Comedy Central call me and be like, hey, man, uh, what can we do to make you quiet? <laughs> like, like, you want to do Clusterfest? I'm like, yeah, I do, bro. And we're going to do shows, too. Like, uh, so you did Clusterfest? Yeah. That's they, they sick. Just, I didn't even know you did Clusterfest. I did Clusterfest, like... Yeah, I'm sure they gave it to me just to be quiet. Who cares? But I was pissed, like I, yeah. uh, and I still am uh, about how I was treated. But, but uh, my point is, five years ago I wouldn't have said anything. I just, I, I got fucked over on a TV show. I'll just take it. But now I'm like, no, I won't take. Yeah, nothing to lose. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because in my mind it was like, and I know we got to wrap it up, but I, it was like, uh, this goes to the analytical part. Okay, if I speak out about Comedy Central, what's going to happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? I'm not on Comedy Central anymore, which I'm not anyway. Yeah, that yeah. is exactly... I'm like, well, yeah. they're not... I couldn't even get on At Midnight at the height of my roast battle fame and I saw like 
Jamandium on that midnight <laughs> twice. Uh, uh, no offense to him, but like I'm Brian Monarch. Yeah, uh, I'm like I'm not gonna say any more names, but there were a lot of. But there like yeah. Here I am, and, and uh, star is definitely the wrong word because roast battle does not make stars. But here I am, the featured roaster in roast battle. They used me in the commercials for season three. Still, I'm like, wait a minute, uh, what the fuck? That's me, uh, and I can't even get on a basic show like at midnight. And I beat one of their head writers, and I still can't get on the goddamn yeah, that's show. That's why I got canceled. So, well, I'm not saying it got well. Maybe, maybe, maybe you have good people on it. Yeah, but you know, it's like anything else. You're a straight white guy. You're not famous. You're not diverse. No, you're right. I get you it. You don't know the casting director. It happens. Well, I do. That maybe that oh, was the do. problem. Maybe he knew me. Problem. Yeah. Well, he came up to me at Clusterfest and goes, "Hey, I'm a big fan." I'm like, "Big fan? You put on like uh, people Byron Allen would pass on on Comics <laughs> Unleashed." He's like, That's oh. true. They're like, what the fuck? But now I have the I don't know if balls is the right word, and uh, yeah. but uh, I have, yeah, you have the balls to stick up for yourself. Well, you have to. I, I finally learned after 20 years, if you don't stick up for yourself in this business... No one else is going to. You'll get walked on. Yeah. And, and if Comedy Central ever calls me again to do a show, I think they will know we better treat him right. Now, they might say, well, just use someone else, which is probably what's going to happen. But, like, you know, I think... But I think I did it. Like, you mentioned my Twitter. I don't take back one tweet. Because I, I, I meant every... Because someone said to me the other day, I was like, dude, you're pretty successful... From the standpoint of your fame level, you've done some shows, you've been on TV enough where like most people will kill for your credits. Why are you so bitter? And I'm like, I'm honest. I don't think, I don't think that's bitter. Like, if you if something happened to you, and you speak out about it, I don't think that's bitter. Like being bitter is like, well, so and so's. Like I had a conversation once about Amy Schumer. Someone uh, said, well, she's not funny. Now I don't know her act. I've never listened to one of her specials. I just I don't like. I want to do comedy. I don't want to watch it. And I'm like, well, why don't you think she's funny? Well, and they were stuttering and stammering. Uh, well, no one deserves $37 million a year to do stand-up. I'm like, so you're just bitter. She's making more money than you. Like, she might not be funny. She might be hilarious. I don't know. I couldn't tell you one of her jokes. So that's bitter. Like, Yeah. So to me, like, I'm... Yeah, when you got nothing to back it up, you're just saying things out of anger. That's yeah, I, like, this podcast setup is 100 times better than mine. It's got high-def cameras, beautiful TV, a great background. Thank you. Thank a nice, you so much. A lot of nah, work went into this. Absolutely. But Thank it's you. like if I left this show and I called up Brian Moses uh, or uh, one of my other good friends and said, well, Ari's podcast sucks. <laughs> Why? Oh, I don't know. I mean, no one needs four high-def cameras to do a fucking podcast. No one needs a, a big screen TV and, and a producer and, and a nice office. So fuck it. I, my podcast is better. Yeah, that's, that's better. That, that's yeah, yeah, you're right. So. Well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, Earl. Thank Always, you so much. Dude. I um, was excited last night when you called me and said, do you want, I'm like, absolutely. Fuck yeah. Milan, did we leave anything else out? Anything you want to ask? I think you we know? learned a lot about Earl today, so. Well, yeah. I keep it real. I'm a voice of the voiceless. I speak for the unspoken. <laughs> if you burn me, I'm going to burn you twice as hard. Damn. Trust me on that one. And I got some stuff on people. I could ruin people with one tweet. Don't mess with this man. It's not don't mess with me, but it's the old saying in life. Don't mess with me because I'll have him mess with you. Oh, I, well, yeah. I want Earl on my team. If we're picking a flag football game, I'm not picking you last. I'll tell you that right now. Well, it's, I'm it, picking you in the upper 50% of that flag gonna, football pick. 
first of all, in any athletic endeavor involving comics, I should be the first draft <laughs> pick, me and Carrot Top. But anyway, am I? is the camera picking me up right now? That one is out of space. Go to that one. <laughs> this is for all you haters out there, all you open mic losers who go to Jeff's pool parties <laughs> trying to get favor, telling his friend Kai how much you like his pictures. <laughs> thinking you're cool at a house in the hills. Well, just know it's going to be a B-level celebrity that takes your spot on the next whatever presents whatever. It's the old saying in life. You like to hear someone's doing pretty good, but you don't want to hear they're doing better than you. And let me tell you, all you schlubs who snuck into the comedy store window when paid regulars didn't want to do a show because they realized how bad it was. You're not past at the comedy store. You never will be. So give up. I'm like Richard Crenna at the end of Rambo telling Stallone, it's over. It's over for you. You got no life. You got no house. Your writing gigs have dried up quicker than a porn star on menopause. It's over, Johnny. So quit the poeming. Quit the phoniness. It's done. Fuck you. There was four writing gigs this last month. You got none of them. For people who were good at writing roast-style jokes, you guys didn't get it. And you're not getting the next ones. You're not. We are. And some of you might be saying, well, Earl, we got writing gigs and you didn't. I never sent in one packet because I'm a performer. And an artist. I'm an artist. He's got a backbone. He's got some soul left. He's not a piece of shit. Yeah. I'm not the type to tell someone, hey, great set, when they didn't even go on yet, you phony baboons. <laughs> Oh, you're pro-women. Let's take down all the Me Too comics, but yet you'll open up for Jeremy Piven at an outdoor <laughs> comedy show, you pigs. You palming gargoyles. And if you got a problem with me, say it to my face. I'll be at the West Hollywood Dog Park from 3 to 4. That dog park's out of control, man. My dog Lois has been raped like six times there. <laughs> so some of you would fit in real well there. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time. There is no God. Yeah, there's God. I could prove to you God's real right now. The only way that you'll find out there's God is when my fiance is in my bed at night, because mm -hmm. you'll hear God's name quite a lot. <laughs> You're listening to, you're listening to unlicensed. Unlicensed. unlicensed, 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 unlicensed therapy with Ari Manis. Ari Manis.
that was the whole episode. Did you guys like it? I think you did. Uh, I already said this at the beginning of the show, but yeah, share it with your friends. Get it out there. Then maybe I could do it every single week. Then maybe people won't use COVID-19 as an excuse not to come into the studio. Notice that I don't do Zoom podcasts. I don't do those remote ones. I don't like them. I don't listen to them. And I'm not doing them here in person only. Bad boys. We'll see you guys next week. God bless.